Today's episode of Zilch is dedicated to the memory of Fast Eddie Ho, who passed away on November 7, 2015. From Pleasant Valley Sunday to Daddy's Song, your gifted drumming gave us a beat that we all dance to. Every time one of your songs plays on the radio or in our headphones, your legacy will live on. What number is this, Chip? Episode 43, Blu-ray Feedback, and we celebrate the release of the first Monkeys 45. Okay, I don't mean like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I'm Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. familiar music you are listening to zilch your official unofficial monkeys podcast today we are joined by sarah clark good evening everybody melanie mitchell hello and jeff hewlett hello everybody how's everyone doing today all right excellent well today on zilch we're going to be discussing the peter tork fan party from this last october the monkeys on 45 and some other monkeys news but first let's jump into the monkeys mailbag ready always mm-hmm. feet first PO box in this monkeys mailbag we're going to focus on some feedback that we received on andrew sandoval and john hughes appearance on the last episode of Zilch and they dropped a major mega bomb of information on all of us monkey fans and it's set the Twitterverse and the Facebook universe ablaze with monkey goodness and information. It was one heck of an episode and we've probably had probably the most feedback from any episode so it was probably the the biggest feedback we received in such a short amount of time meaning that it was like it, the show was put up and it just exploded people went nuts yeah many people who listened to this episode decided to buy the blu-ray so let's check out some of the feedback jeff hewlett would you like to read the first one sure this is a very excited looking sentence here by ronald nelson who writes in uh, great show this episode great info Turn me around about the price, getting it for Christmas for myself. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> hmm. There were a lot of people who were making this their Christmas present, even though it's coming out in January. But, Sarah, would you read the next one? Sure. Jen Rager writes, I just pre-ordered my set. Told my hubby it could be my Christmas slash birthday slash thanks for going through childbirth again present from him. Uh, <laughs> I like the way she thinks. <laughs> wow. And Derek Webb writes, The podcast did what it had to do. It convinced me to order the box set and also to get a Blu-ray player, which we've been selling a few of those, I think, uh, through our Amazon links. Get a kickback from Sony. Yeah. We should have put up an affiliate link or something. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Hewlett, would you read the next one? Sure. Oh, one of our good podcast buddies, Chris Karam, who wrote in, 
great show. I was on the fence with this wait-and-see attitude, but gosh darn it all, you've convinced me to take the plunge with the deluxe version. Ooh-hoo. Hey, now. Excellent. Sarah? And Dan Jones writes, Your interview on the Zilch podcast got me off the fence. I'm pre-ordering and can't wait. I think a lot of people are, like, sitting more comfortably now. You know, they got off the fence. Mm-hmm. Mm, you would think. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm going to butcher this name, and I'm sorry. It's uh, Kathy Deveni? How, how would you guys say that? I'd say Deveni, maybe. Yeah, Deveni. All right. And this next one is from Kathy Deveni. She writes, So I was kind of balking at the price of the new Blu-ray set until I listened to the podcast with Andrew Sandoval and John Hughes. After hearing everything that is going on and how much hard work is going into this set, I've definitely changed my attitude. It will be worth every penny. Awesome episode. And I agree. And Melanie, uh, today we got to see some of Fern's belly button. (laughs) Well, the part that's not covered up with the jewel. Right. Um. (laughs) (laughs) But Andrew Sandoval posted... Uh, picks from the uncensored version of Too Many Girls, the episode Too Many Girls, right? That's right. Full length and in bright, vivid color. Mm-hmm. And we've got to see a lot of cool things. What's something that you maybe have seen that Andrew Sandoval's posted? My favorite so far, by a long shot, is the shot of Mickey in the Randy Scouse Get video. A, it's the first shot we've seen remastered from the Rainbow Room, and man is that colorful and mm-hmm. also we get to see some really cool detail on his poncho that i don't think has ever really been visible before if you look at that like the embroidery on that is just so vivid and so colorful and i don't think we've ever really been able to see it at that level of detail before agreed whoever thought i would have been so excited over a uh, what 50 year old tablecloth at this point Yep. Well, I gave up my cool cred decades ago, so I can geek out about it. Melanie, was there anything that jumped out at you? What I'm really enjoying is whenever I get a post uh, that Andrew does of one of the scenes from the show, is I go over to the Sunshine Factory and try to find the corresponding scene um, from the original and then do a Mm -hmm. side-by-side. Every time it's in a revelation. Yeah. It's they are amazing. I cannot get over how much better the uh, visuals are from this. That's one sad thing about a podcast. It's not really a visual medium. But go over to Facebook and follow Andrew Sandoval if you aren't already, because he's posting so many great little goodies from the Blu-ray set. And Jeff, was there has there been anything that you've seen within the last week or so that they've they've posted? Well, I think you've already outed the uh, uncensored shots there, Canon. It's going to make me look like a perv, but uh, I got to go with that one. Well, very good. Tablecloths and belly buttons. That's what you can expect mm-hmm. on the new Blu-ray set. And if you want to get The Monkees, the complete series on Blu-ray, listen to this ad and find out where to get it from. Here it comes. The Monkees, the complete series is coming to Blu-ray. All 58 episodes, carefully remastered from the original 35mm prints in high definition for the very first time. 10 jam-packed discs that also include the movie Head, the 1969 TV special, 33 and a third revolutions per monkey, 
plus an exclusive bonus disc full of surprises. Pre-order now at monkeys.com. This set is not available anywhere else and is strictly limited to 10,000 individually numbered copies. The Monkeys, the complete series, on Blu-ray, only at monkeys.com. Monkeys.com, a great place for you to go to get some cool stuff, some cool swag, the, the Monkeys handmade sets, and some cool stuff from tours gone by, so check it out. Monkeys.com. This last week, the Beatles One Plus came out on DVD slash Blu-ray and CD, and I was asked by seven different radio stations to come on and talk about that. Well, I used that opportunity to talk about the Monkeys the Complete series on Blu-ray, so I'd like to thank everybody for inviting me, and they found me on the Zilch podcast, actually. So thank you for the invitations, and one guy called me a pop culturalist. One of our very cool listeners and friends of the Zilch podcast, a big supporter of the show, has been since pretty much day one. Nikki Locke was surprised by her family. They let her know that she was getting the Monkees, the complete series on Blu-ray, by getting her two monkeys that had blue tags on them that said Ray. So that was their little <laughs> way of doing that. So that was pretty neat. In other Monkees news... 7A Records is releasing the first Bobby Hart solo album. A lot of people might say, well, what's that got to do with the Monkees? If you don't know the Bobby Hart Monkees connection, this is probably your first episode of Zilch, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> but that is, is actually available for pre-order right now, and you can get it on CD, and it's really cheap right now. We will post links in the show notes, but be sure to check that out. Later in the show, Jeff Hewlett will kick off his series on Monkeys on 45 with some very cool guest folks, including Melinda Gildart, Ghosty Timmers, and Jeff Geringer. So that'll be fantastic. And then later in the show, Sarah Clark and Melanie Mitchell will look at the Peter Tork Shoe Suede Blues fan party. But now, a world premiere for our zilch audience, the wonderful Ghosty Timmers, and some characters doing their take on Shades of Grey. Enjoy. Duck season. Rabbit thiefing. Duck season. Rabbit thiefing. Wabbit season. A duck thiefing. Wabbit season. Duck thiefing. When the wild and I were young. Just yesterday Life was such a simple game A child could play It was easier than to tell Right from wrong Easy than to tell Weak from strong When a duck should stand and fight or just go along But today there is no day or night Today there is no dark or light Today there is no black or white Only shades of gray I remember when the answer seemed so clear 
We had never lived without or tasted fear. It was easy then to tell the truth from lies. Selling out from compromise. Who to love and who to hate. The foolish from the wise. But today there is no day or night. Today there is no dark or light. Today there is no black or white. Oh, we shades of gray. Oh, we shades of gray. Is he crying? Zilch fans, this is Melanie Mitchell. Be sure to check out my book, Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. It's a lighthearted review and companion for the TV show that made the 60s fun. The paperback is available online from Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and the ebook can be bought anywhere that fine ebooks are sold. Check out the Monkey Magic Facebook page, follow me on Tumblr at bluemoonalto.tumblr.com, and listen for my contributions here on Zilch, a monkey's podcast. This month we celebrate the first monkey single, Last Train to Clarksville. It was the debut single by the Monkeys, released August 16, 1966. The song, written by Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart, was recorded at RCA Victor Studio B in Hollywood. The song topped the Billboard Hot 100 on November 5th. 1966. So, since it is still November, we look back on the Monkees' first single, Last Train to Clarksville. Listen to the band! Listen to the band, Monkees on 45! Welcome to part one of our ongoing series, Listen to the Band, the Monkees on 45. Today, we take a look at the Monkees' first 45, The Last Train to Clarksville, and its B-side, Take a Giant Step. So, I am your host, Jeff Hewlett, and joining me on this first Monkees on 45 discussion are three esteemed Zilch colleagues. Uh, you've heard their voices before. Starting immediately to my right is Melinda Gildart. Hi, guys. Hello. Moving around the table, we've also got Ghosty. Where is this table? That's what I want to know. It's a ghost table. Oh, okay. I should be right at home. You should, <laughs> you should be. Welcome. And finally, we've got Jeff Geringer with us. Hey, hey, everybody. How are you tonight, sir? We're doing good. Looking forward to this. There's a lot of fun stuff on these first singles. Oh, yes. So we are going to dive right in. So we're going to do the typical Zilch roundtable where we go uh, single by single and everybody gets to have their say. And we'll have a couple of other uh, topics that spring up here. So we're going to start with the very first single, the single that launched the Monkees, the last train to Clarksville, backed with Take a Giant Step released on August the 16th of 1966. So the single reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 uh, for the week starting 
the 5th of November, 1966. So, of course, it had a uh, picture sleeve which featured all four monkeys uh, standing on a wooden staircase going upwards. So, uh, Last Train to Clarksville, of course, is written and produced by uh, the famous Boyce and Hart. So, session musicians from the L.A. Wrecking Crew were part of this, including uh, Ron Hicklin on backup vocals, Louis Shelton, James Burton, famous Glenn Campbell, Al Casey, and a bunch of other guys also contributed to this. So, uh, Last Train of Clarksville appeared on several Monkeys episodes of the show as well, uh, including Monkey See, Monkey Die, Monkey vs. Machine, Your Friendly Neighborhood Kidnappers, and Monkeys at the Movies. And the B-side was Take a Giant Step, of course, the Goffin King tune. They wrote a lot of Monkeys songs, uh, produced by Boyce and Hart as well. So, there was an earlier session uh, that happened on June 10th of 66 under a different producer, but however, due to some issues with the producer and the session musicians, uh, this was scrapped, and a second session under Boyce and Hart took place on the 9th of July of 66 in Hollywood, and that formed the basis of the recordings we hear on the records and the television series itself. So, um, Mickey Dolan's also sang lead vocals on this. This is a double Mickey single. And this song, Take a Giant Step, appeared in fewer episodes, uh, only appeared in Royal Flush and The Chaperone. So, we're going to go around the horn really quick here and talk about general impressions of this first single. And uh, let's start off with Melinda. Well, and obviously, it's a great track. It launched everything for the monkeys and... You know, that opening riff, you know, it just gets you from there. You know, I love the lyrics, you know, the whole veiled reference to, you know, Vietnam, a protest song, you know, that adds more mystery to it. But, you know, back in 1966, you know, the kids just wanted to dance to this record. Uh, But it's just obviously a great record. I think it appeared in the series more than any other song when you take into account uh, the references and other episodes and snippets and things like that. But I just think it's all around a fantastic track. Um, Mickey absolutely sells it. And, you know, it's a great voice and heart production. And what do you think of Take a Giant Step, the flip side? Take a Giant Step, you know, Goffin and King, you know, it. I think it's a, a great track. Um, it's not one of my favorites, but I think that, you know, the lyrics are just wonderfully romantic um mickey again does a fantastic job on the vocals um it has an oboe and a glockenspiel in it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, musical instruments and so that's that's really interesting for a modern pop song um so it has sort of that middle eastern feel yep. at times and i think that's really interesting um but you know every time i hear this record i just cannot think of anything else besides mickey dressed in drag as mrs arcadian in the chaperone episode (laughs) that's you know that's just the imagery that it has for me now no matter where i am that's awesome that's a great tie-in so uh let's see what uh what do you think about this single jeff g well my goodness you guys have brought out so many of the best trivia parts that's great i have to say last train of clarksville is a perfect way to introduce the monkeys to the record buying and the radio listening audience um, the fact that it came out four weeks before the actual premiere of the episode started that ball rolling. And, you know, I've always wondered, you know, we never talk about this, but there's always some type of promotional, oh, how would I put it, ghosty, payola? 
Well, I mean, I, I didn't promotional money to say, hey, if you guys get behind this group, we'll give you their concert when they come. We'll give you a, you know, the big radio station here in Los Angeles was called KHJ, and you've <laughs> probably seen those clips of when they turned San Juan Capistrano into Clarksville for a day, and gave like a hundred listeners a trip on a train, and the monkeys played on the train, and it was Clarksville. This was all before the series began, so they had to get that excitement going. And I think Clarksville was a perfect way to start it. And let me see if I can try something. If this sucks, we can cut it out. But Ghostly, doesn't this have a perfect lip to go right up to the post with? Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, although, it's just, although you, yeah, you do feel a little shameless talking on top of that killer riff. It's so cool, though. Could you? Can I impose upon you if I play the riff? Can you talk up to the post? And show people how great this was for radio. You've got the song queued up, or are you actually going to yeah, I got the play song it on your guitar? Up. Okay. I think it's so perfect for this. Okay. Now, if this is too loud, but you ready, Ghosty? I'm ready. Okay, in three, two, one. Brand new single from the Monkees. It's called Last Train to Clarksville. Make sure to see them in the town of Clarksville very soon. Outstanding. <laughs> you know, there was a, there's a little bit of a delay there. I think I might have stepped a little bit on Mickey. <laughs> no, it sounded like I was listening to a radio show. Now you did a great job. No, it sounded right. great. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up, though, and I thought this was funny when Bobby Hart was out uh, promoting his book. He talked about the influence of the Beatles song Paperback Writer hmm. on the actual tune and structure of Clarksville. I kind of missed the Vietnam reference when I was a kid, and that came up later. Me too. But, you know, Bobby Hart said that he wanted a refrain like the Beatles, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, for Clarksville, he came up with no, 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 no. A, a strange back and forth between the two of them. And uh, another thing, it's one of the most covered songs uh, of the Monkees. George Benson keeps it on his greatest hits. And here is George Benson and his version of Last Train to Clarksville. Mr. Ghosty, your thoughts on Last Train to Clarksville backed with Take a Giant Step? One of the worst singles in the history. Of, no, of course not. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's an in incredible. Well, let's talk about the A side first. As I mentioned to Jeff G, what a killer riff. And I'm thinking about songs that had come out prior to Last Train to Clarksville. And I know that Boyce and Hart have said that the song was inspired by catching the fade of Paperback Writer by the Beatles on the radio and not quite knowing what it was and thinking they were singing about a train and hence writing the song based around their memories, their misheard memories of that song. But it's 
it's got that great riff at the beginning, which announces the monkeys. And I'm thinking of uh, songs with great riffs at the beginning, like Satisfaction by the Stones, which was the year before, Day Tripper by the Beatles. So for me, it's notable for that. It's just the minute you hear it, you know that something's coming. Much like how the TV theme begins with the boom, the drum. You know, and it gives that feeling of a train. You know, there's that feeling of movement because it's a repetitive riff, but it's just so cool in, in the way that uh, I Feel Fine by the Beatles has a repetitive riff going all throughout the song, but it's just great. And I, I mean, everybody else has said uh, pretty much all that can be said about this song. It's a classic. It's one of those songs, especially as a monkey song, it's overplayed. If you're going to hear the monkeys on, well, I guess oldies radio, if it still exists out there in commercial radio, most likely it's going to be Daydream Believer or Last Train to Clarksville or I'm a Believer, those three. But you know what? It never gets old. Every time I listen to this song, I won't go so far as to say it's like the first time, but it's just as good every single time. It's that great of a production. Awesome. I, I agree, actually. I, this is one of the monkey songs for me that uh, anytime it comes up on shuffle, I, I always listen to it and never skip it. It's it's just uh, one of those songs that you never really get tired of. Agreed. Other artists of note that have covered or performed Last Train to Clarksville live are uh, Flatten Scruggs, Cassandra Wilson, The Knack, Jerry Reed, and Ludacris. Flatten Scruggs... <laughs> Sandra Wilson. You can be here by 430 because I made a reservation. Don't be slow. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Because I'm leaving in the morning and I must see you again. We'll have one more night together till the morning. The knack. Jerry Reed Take that last train to Clarksville and station you can be there by 4 30 cause i got your reservation don't be slow oh no 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 i love you so and ludicrous of covers the four tops actually covered clarksville and i'm a believer on the same album wow. <laughs> in 1967 
and and both versions are are different, but you know I think they're definitely a, a cool tribute to to both Monkey songs. Maybe Ken will play some of those now. And here's the Four Tops version of Last Train to Clarksville. Excellent. So what about Take a Giant Step, Jeff G? Take a Giant Step is showing Kirshner flexing his muscles. Mm. Um, I don't know if everyone aware's, but you know when they sell a single, the hit version gets the same royalties as the one that doesn't get played on the flip side. Mm-hmm. And so his, his way of manipulating and using his stable of songwriters is that he'd say, okay, if you give me this song, I'll get you on the flip side of Clarksville and you'll make all this money. And I'm, I'm sure that's kind of what happened here is it was a, a gift to Goffin and King to continue their hits, giving them to the monkeys. And in exchange, Kirshner gave them the royalties for the flip side. Oh. 
The song is presented as a plea to a heartbroken girl to move on from her past romantic disappointments and to learn to live again at last by taking a giant step outside your mind. Critic Eric Lefkowitz describes the song as proto-psychedelic. And here's Carol King with her demo version of Take a Giant Step. Take a giant step, Mr. Ghosty. Well, I like this song quite a bit. I can't help but notice that the sound quality of Take a Giant Step mm-hmm. is a small step down from Last Train to Clarksville, which for some reason sounds very clean. Maybe because there's just so much going on with Take a Giant Step with overdubbing and your glockenspiel and your oboe. <laughs> uh, I like this song because Last Train to Clarksville is a great pop song, great pop rock song. Take a Giant Step is a trippy song. Yes. For a show, you know, for a a group that's based on a TV show that's aimed at young listeners. This reminds me of the Monkey's Audition announcement in the newspaper that that said we were looking for Ben Franks types. Hmm. Was it that? Ben Franks? Is that the name? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, great. Yeah. You know, which was code for long haired freaks. (laughs) <laughs> this is a long-haired freak song. So they're kind of telling you with this single, or the powers that be are telling us, they're a great pop rock band, and this is a catchy song that everyone can like. 
But, hey, they do have long hair. They are a little freaky. And occasionally you're going to get something a little... I wouldn't say I wouldn't go so far as to say this is a drug song, but you know, take a giant step outside your mind. That's that's a little on the trippy side. So I like it for that reason too. Me too. That's that's my reason. I I, I love the uh, the instrumentation and the arrangement is is so different than Clarksville. It's like you flip it over and it's almost a different band, right? Well, technically right. it was a different band, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same singer, but but different band. So anybody have any closing thoughts on the first single? Well, take a giant step. You know, Taj Mahal, you know, uh, Jeff Geringer uh, brought him up previously. He also had an album called Take a Giant Step. Oh. And his version is is completely different than uh, than the Monkees. It's soulful. It's, you know, it has country overtones. It's, you know, bluesy at the same time. But you know, I could just see Mickey with his vocal range, maybe even doing a duet with this guy that I think would bring the house down. I mean, it's just fantastic. And he switches out the oboe for a banjo. So it's it's really great. If if anyone has an opportunity, you know, pull it up on YouTube and it's just fantastic. It blew me away. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, then Peter can get involved if there's a banjo there. Oh yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and here's Taj Mahal doing a version of Take a Giant Step. Turn your heart to frost I will melt your heart again Remember the feeling as a child When you woke up and morning smiled It's time, it's time, it's time You felt like that again There is just no percentage in Remembering the past It's time you learn To live again And love and last Come with me Leave your yesterday Your yesterday behind And take a giant Step outside your mind You stare at me With disbelief You say for you there's no relief but girl I swear it won't do you no harm don't sit there in your lonely room just looking back inside that gloom mama that's not where you belong come with me I'll take you where Taste of a life is green And every day, every day Hold on one that just got to be seen Come with me Leave your yesterday, your yesterday behind And take a giant step outside your mind Though you've played the love and lost The sorrows have turned It's time, it's time, it's time You felt like that again 
is just no percentage in remembering the past. It's time you learn to live again and love and laugh. Come with me, leave your yesterday, your yesterday behind. And take a giant step outside your mind. songs, Last Train in Clarksville and Take a Giant Step, were featured in the December 66 to May 67 North American tour. Clarksville was played regularly uh, on the June to August 67 American and British tour, the Australia-Japan tour of 68, and on various nights in the 1969 North American tour, but Take a Giant Step unfortunately didn't make it past the first tour. So that was the chronology of it being played live during the original Monkey years, but so, you know, I, I've been kind of known to be slightly villainous on other Zilch episodes I've appeared on, and I thought no. of it. Oh, you know Only me. Only with Let's Dance On. Only with Let's Dance On. Oh, everyone knows no, me. No, no. <laughs> We're not going there. But I was thinking to myself, you know, I, one thing that I about this single that kind of rubs me the wrong way, and this is this is a rule for all bands, and this is a very common thing now. It wasn't as common back then, but... What are your guys' feelings on a single whose A and B sides both appear on the accompanying album? Does that bother any of you? Melinda, does that bother you at all that you have a single and the exact two same two tracks appear on the record? I wouldn't say that it bothers me, but I, I feel slightly cheated. <laughs> you know, with B side, <laughs> you would expect something, you know, completely different, something that may not be on the album that is just an added treat. Yeah. I yeah. think it's a, an opportunity for the artist to, you know, sort of broaden their horizons and, you know, stretch their musical chops a little bit and, and not just give us something that we're already getting on the album. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at it, look at a band like the Beatles, the singles were, you know, bridging the gaps between the albums. So the fans really didn't have to wait as long, right? Between records, you got a little new thing shoved out there every couple of months. And so uh, Jeff G or Ghosty, do you guys have any issues with uh, tracks being uh, the same on the single and on the album? Well, I don't. Um, the way the Beatles did it with singles that weren't on albums, that was uh, how it was done in the, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in America, the singles were on the albums. So I want to hold your hand was the A side. This boy was the B side mm-hmm. in great Britain. And those two songs were not on the album with the Beatles, but in America, they were on the album meet the Beatles because I think there was, and I could be wrong about this, but I think there was an expectation that the hit song was going to be on the album at that time. 
Jeff G., what do you think? I, I totally agree. I, I always expect to see the hit song on the album. I think, actually, the money is too big on these flip sides for them to, to do too much creatively. If you look at a lot of artists, the, the B-side is always, if there's songwriters in the group, they're the ones that are on the B-side. Uh, you know, they're always trying to find a way to, to get some, some extra ka-ching. Mm. Yeah. I, it, I... it didn't bother me. I, in fact, as years went on, you know, songs that were never on albums, because we always had the albums, but the singles didn't quite sustain their, their you know, visibility over the years. It, it, like A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You. Yep. Yeah. Great example. Of course, I don't want to jump the gun here, but... Yeah, I think it's great to have the hits on the album. Hmm. I guess the part of me wants just, at least wants just the B-side to be exclusive. Well, I will say that there was certainly no shortage of material that they could have used for a B-side. For sure. But it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't bother me. I, I, I like it. Hey, there are some kids that couldn't afford to buy the album or their parents wouldn't let them buy the album. So True. at least they got, you know two of the better songs from it on this thing. But if you guys are both Beatle fans, you know, you also could get You Know My Name. Exactly. That's true, yeah. Yep. And I actually really like that track, by the way. <laughs> I like it too. I love it. It's great. So I guess that brings this first episode of Monkeys on 45 to a close. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to the three of you, and uh, this is my first time recording with with all of you. So uh, I look forward to our next episode. So, Melinda, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Ghosty, thank you. Wait a minute. Monkeys on 45, you don't mean the disco uh, from single from 19... 19- oh, I'm sorry. That's a different... Uh, that was Stars on 45. Uh, easily joke. confused. Easily confused. But thank oh. you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm here all week. Uh, try the veal. Don't forget <laughs> to tip your waiters and waitresses. And Jeff G., thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jeff H. You did a great job. You're a great leader. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. And here's Louise Goffin and Jacob Dillon doing a version of Take a Giant Step.
That was an excellent look at the Monkees' first 45, last train at Clarksville, backed with Take a Giant Step. I really enjoyed all those different versions. I, it, it, was, it was very interesting to hear them, even if maybe it's not my favorite version of those singles. It was nice to hear the different versions, right? Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. And it's great to see how far the Monkees, the, the influence that the music had on popular culture it's you know especially at the time and these songs still resonate with us as fans and it's 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 very cool but there's one thing that wasn't really touched on and peter Tork has said that this single may have been released with the b-side as the a-side in hawaii melanie would you like to fill us in a little bit yeah he actually did this uh mentioned this in his um solo show back in 2013 and i saw that show several times and each time he told the same story which is that that first single was released in Hawaii with Take a Giant Step as the A-side. Last Train to Clarksville is the B-side. He said, and I don't know whether this is actually the reason, but he said it was because there are no trains in Hawaii. I did a little research and found out that indeed there have been railroads in Hawaii, small ones, but they have been there. But nonetheless, that was the reason he gave. Mm -hmm. So that's the story I heard. And to further complicate things, if you do a search on the internet, and there's some great websites out there that give us the Monkeys discography, like for example, monkeys45s.net, 
and you'll see all the various singles and you see a front side that has Last Train at Clarksville as the dominant list and then you flip it over and it's got the dominant list as take a giant step so whether that was a side A and a side B or a double sided A someone needs to let us know right? <laughs> Sarah what do you think about the controversy? I think it was it's interesting to hear that that side of the single cover actually existed because I just assumed it was photoshopped and I just assumed that quip was Peter being Peter, frankly, but it would be amusing to find out if that that was really marketed that way in Hawaii. I kind of have my doubts. That just sounds like Peter humor to me, but who knows? Well, I guess time and our fellow monkey fans will let us know. So let us know, Zilch Gang out there, if you're listening and you know the real story, let us know and we'll let everyone know what you tell us. What 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 is the answer? Someone give us the answer. We are seeking truth uh, here. Pins and needles. Yes. We we are we are seeking truth and enlightenment. <laughs> And here's Peter Tork to give us his take on the single Last Train to Clarksville and Take a Giant Step and his story about no trains in Hawaii. So we set about making the TV series and at the same time, records were being made. I put that in the passive case because we didn't make them. Uh, at least not much. Uh, a couple of guys, mostly Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart, uh, made uh, got their own guys in the studio and they made these records and then they had one of us, usually Mickey, come out and sing lead. They told me, Mickey, Peter, we're going to have a recording session. Come on down. I picked up my guitar and down I went. They looked at me with the guitar and went, <laughs> okay, not that big, but I did it for the back row. So. <clears throat> uh, and there was, there was the track, the whole track, with the guitar going. <laughs> and... Um, Mickey singing, and I thought, oh, this is kind of strange. Well, in that little thing where Mickey goes, do 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 do, I can write something else that goes with that. And I went off and I wrote some. Um, um, so we set about making the TV series, and at the same time, records were being made. I put that in the passive case because we didn't make them. Uh, at least not much. Uh, a couple of guys, mostly Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart, uh, made, uh, got their own guys in the studio and they made these records and then they had one of us, usually Mickey, come out and sing lead. They told me, Mickey, Peter, we're going to have a recording session. Come on down. I picked up my guitar and down I went. They looked at me with the guitar and went... <laughs> okay, not that big, but I did it for the back row. So. <clears throat> Uh, and there was, there was the track, the whole track, with the guitar going, <laughs> and um, Mickey singing, and I thought, oh, this is kind of strange. Well, in that little thing where Mickey goes, do, 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 I can write something else that goes with that. And I went off and I wrote something. I said, this is going to go with that. They said, Peter, this is the record. <laughs> wow. We, didn't, we just invited you for a, for a courtesy. You're not the loving spoonful. Well, this was very difficult for me. Um, I thought, I, I mean, I look at it better. I, I look back on it and I get it. I mean, I was not ready to make a record in those days, but I didn't know that. And um, 
And then later on, it all came out in public that the monkeys didn't play the music on their own records. And this caused a big furor among people who thought that it was a crime not to be the Beatles. A crime of which they themselves were guilty, but we won't go into that part. Um, but they thought that we thought what they thought we thought. They thought we thought. Um, and uh, they thought that we were trying to get away with some, something, you know. I don't know, I was just a, a, you know, a schmo taking chin. They went, you want to be in the monkeys? Yeah, I'll do what? Sure. Um, and um, this was an interesting thing. Uh, in Hollywood, where the, uh, all the young rockers were like really angry at the monkeys for not playing on their own instruments. They're commercial, they said, these four talentless kids, I mean, they can't play music. Any four guys could have, play, could have been the same act. These four guys are, they know nothing. They just don't have any idea about making records. They, these guys, when it comes to records, these guys are schmoes. The, the TV show is not bad. That, that's okay, I'll give them that. But the records, I mean, that stuff, and they'll go on for hours about what was wrong with the monkeys' records. Come to find out years later that at that same time in New York, all the young theatrical kids looking to break in as actors said, those four talentless slobs, any four guys could have made that TV show. The records weren't bad, but the acting. <laughs> so um, we, um, well, I'm gonna play you my own arrangement of the first song, uh, the backside, the B-side of the first record. Um, which I was told was actually the A-side in Hawaii because uh, the, the A-side uh, in the States, of course, was last train to Clarksville, but in Hawaii they don't have any trains. So, <laughs> Mickey goes, Take the last train to the Luau and I'll meet you at the gig. You can be here by 4.30 and we'll eat some hot that they go Mickey's pretty funny. <laughs> um, anyway, so, oh, and before I go on there, I just want to report that uh, I myself have recorded Clarksville with my bluesy group, uh, Shoe Sway Blues. And we think of Is, uh, this will this will come as a surprise to each and every one of you. That CD is available for sale. <laughs> what? You're not surprised? <laughs> Out in the lobby, and uh, and uh, and I'll if you if you buy it, I'll sign it. So uh, it's actually it goes down in value if I sign it, but you won't know that. Anyway, so here's the the B side. It's a Carol King song. I can also recommend. Uh, Taj Mahal's version, which is very different, but this is mine. Though you played in love and lost in sorrows, turned your heart to frost, I will melt your heart again. Remember the feeling as a child when you woke up in morning smile, it's time you felt like you did then. Come with me 
I'll take you where the taste of life is green and every day holds wonders to be seen. Come with me, leave yesterday behind and I'll take a giant step outside your mind. You stare at me in disbelief, you say for you there's no relief, but I swear Peter Tork Shoe Suede Blues fan event from this last October. It's Sarah Clark and Melanie Mitchell. Hi, this is AJ Sturgis and Joe of Shoe Suede Blues. And you're listening to Zilch. Back on October 4th, Peter Tork and the Shoe Suede Blues put on a special fan party at Club 66 in Edgewood, Maryland. Our intrepid reporter, Melanie Mitchell, got to attend. She had so many great stories from her weekend that we decided that she should share them with you. And me. Because I couldn't go. And that sucked. I know that sucked, but, you know, I have to do this thing called work, and it's kind of annoying. Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's also how I get to Ford Monkey's concert, so that's something. Right. Um, okay, I gotta ask, since I couldn't make it, what is a fan party and how is it different from like a regular concert well i think compare it to the concert i saw one week earlier which was uh, mickey dolan's show at 54 below where he Uh did all his broadway songs i talked about that on an earlier uh, episode of zilch and i'm going to torture a metaphor here i'm going to describe it in terms of food although this is not actually the food that was served at these two events it's just trying to compare them to each other Mickey's 54 Below show in New York on just a block or so off Broadway was like an exquisitely prepared, perfectly seasoned filet mignon. Whereas the fan party in Edgewood, Maryland was like a huge slab of barbecued ribs. Awesome. (laughs) It was the difference between sophisticated and cultured and extremely fully rehearsed and contained and absolutely planned versus informal and spontaneous and down-home fun. They were both delightful. I had a fantastic time 
both times, but the, we're talking about the fan party today. That was just such a delight. It's kind of like, you know how when you go to a concert, and it's a really great concert, and when it's over, whether there's a meet and greet after or not, it doesn't matter. The point is you don't want to leave. You don't want mm-hmm. to, to say goodnight to your traveling companions and go home. You just want to keep that energy going. And this was kind of like that. You know, we had a concert the night before, a formal sit-down and now Shoe Suede Blues will perform their set list for you. And then we come back the next day, and it's just, welcome to the club. We're all going to have a great time today, hang out, and, and just be fans together. That's kind of what it was like. Fabulous. That sounds awesome. And you mentioned to me, talking about hanging out with people, that you got to hang out with some pretty cool folks uh, at the fan party, like our Lego animation guru, Dylan Wrights. Yeah, um, he was there. Yeah, I heard he gave you some dessert tips. Well, I had already been through the the buffet line. Um, there, there was lots of food there. Um, no barbecued ribs. That that was a metaphor. <laughs> it, but it was all finger food. They had um, like uh, sandwich wraps and sliders, hummus, veggie mm-hmm. chips. It was all finger food. We're all grown up people here. We must make a fuss about going to sleep. And food should not be eaten with the fingers. Um, the fingers should be eaten separately. <laughs> Don't be a Mr. Mouth. Cool. Pile it all on your plate and then find some place to perch. That's kind of how it was working. And I felt somebody tap on my shoulder, on my elbow, and I looked down. It was Dylan. He come up behind me, and he said, you've got to go to the dessert table. He, he found me and told me. Aww. I had to have dessert. And it's a good thing, too, because there was uh, brownies and blondies, and they were to die for. So thanks, Dylan. <laughs> nice. Awesome. And I guess you also got to meet the folks behind the PTFB team as well as Peter's wife. Yeah, I did. Got to chat with um, Peter Turk's folks and Peter's wife, Pam. I also got to have conversations with the other members of the band, AJ, Joe, and Sturgis. Mostly Joe and Sturgis, AJ was very much in demand, but I did Mm -hmm. a brief conversation with him. Had a couple of lovely conversations with Pam. That was really nice getting to to talk to her. Now, as far as Peter is concerned, well, they had to do him, you know, like a normal meet and greet. He had a table and you stood in line. The problem is that there is only one of him and there was a lot of us and there was Mm -hmm. just no other way to do it. So, yeah. But I did get in the line and and, uh, have a brief chat and asked him to autograph my copy of the pilot script, which was very special to me. And so that was nice to have that done. After an hour, hour and a half of, of, you know, goofing off and chatting and enjoying the food, uh, the band got up on the stage and did a completely different set of music. It was not any of the music, well, maybe a little bit of the music they'd done in their formal concert the night before, but mostly different things. They had a dance floor set up and just about everybody was dancing. I have to admit that even I got up and stood in the shadows off to the side and kind of move side to side in a somewhat rhythmic fashion, (laughs) which is about as close as I get to dancing. (laughs) Right there with you, sister. (laughs) And while I was there, um, staying off to the side, moving side to side in a rhythmic fashion, um, I felt somebody come up behind me and I turn around and it was Pam, Peter's wife. Oh, cool. Um, I started to move out of her way and she said, no, 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 it's okay. Somebody's misplaced their camera and I'm helping to look for it. So she was poking around under tables and chairs looking for this misplaced camera. 
and I asked if I could help. She said, no, 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 just, just enjoy the show. And about five minutes later, she came back and, and said, we found it. And I was like, Aww. good to know. <laughs> so that was, it was really nice to see her helping out. She was all over that party, just helping out on the edges. You know, she's not one to get in the, in the spotlight and, you know, talking to a microphone, but she's uh-huh. always being uh, helpful and, uh, and very kind and friendly to the fans. That is so cool. That's really neat that you got to got to uh, talk to her and engage with her and all the other all the other great guys in Shoe Suede Blues too. Um, what was your kind of favorite musical moment from the show? Well, there are a couple of things. One is that that they were they were actually taking requests. Mm-hmm. You know. People who've been to a Shoe Suede Blues show know that Peter has this little shtick he does where he says, you know, if you want to, you know, call out a song that it maybe isn't on our set list, don't do that. Right. I he only says, know of one other occasion he's, he's <laughs> taken a request. And then he'll say, and if you want us to do the songs out of order, no, we won't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> but in this in this particular case, you know, they were kind of making it up as they go along and we people were okay. shouting out titles there were some that people called out and he's like yeah yeah let's do that one i think annie had a baby was one of the ones that that came from the crowd where oh he, how he awesome it. that was the the first shoe suede blue song i ever heard live it's mm-hmm. a great one yeah. and maybe we can play a bit of it right now Now, they were doing songs from the entire history of the band, and this was the 21st birthday party for Shoe Suede Blues, and Peter's the only original member of Shoe Suede Blues that's still in the band. So we've got, you know, this history that also encompasses several different groups of people. They were doing songs that were originally performed by other people, Um, and there was one song they did. I think it may have been Big Boss Man, but I'm not positive about that, Mm -hmm. where Peter said, hey, we've never done this together, the four of us. Oh, wow. We all know it, so let's try. You know, Mm -hmm. they get on on a key and a tempo, and then they just plowed into it, and they did a great job. So that was a wonderful, spontaneous moment. Nice. Nice. And speaking of the history of the band, when we arrived at the party, everyone got a gift. Oh, neat. Which was a CD. This is 
what we were told, Peter himself had copied these CDs for the people who were coming to the party and then copied the little booklets for the CDs. It's a CD of the original lineup of Shoe Suede Blues. I'm not exactly sure what year it is, but it's probably sometime in the mid to maybe late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and the title of the CD, the, well, it has a short title and a long title. Ha-ha. Of course. The short title is just Shoe Suede Blues Live in L.A. And the long title is Shoe Suede Blues Live in L.A. Kinda. Santa Monica, actually. <laughs> and I want to read this. This little it, it comes with instructions. How many CDs do you get come with instructions? Not many. These are the instructions on the back of the CD. Okay. Place CD in player. Press play, turn up volume, remove shoes and or any other article of clothing appropriate to your immediate surroundings. <laughs> Dance your kneecaps and or any other appropriate body part off. Rinse, repeat. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. <laughs> And one of the songs that is on this CD is, well, several of the songs that are on this CD were played at the fan party, but one in particular is uh, Shake, Rattle, and Roll, Flip, Flop, and Fly, which I think may be a medley of those two songs, but they sound like the same song with just different lyrics. And so we have a comparison of what Shoe Suede Blues sounded like 20 or so years ago and Shoe Suede Blues today doing the same song. One, two, one.
Melanie, if Shoe Suede Blues comes to any of our listeners' towns, why would you recommend that they go? Well, first of all, it's just a wonderful show, and it's completely different from a monkey's show. I mean, they do a few monkey songs, but it's mostly, you know, different material in a different style with a completely different groove. It's intensely fun and very musical and, and just knee-slapping, finger-popping. It's a wonderful time. But also, you know, it's a rare thing. They don't do very many shows. And I have to admit that there was a time I could have gone to one and I didn't because I figured, well, I'll catch the next one. And it was a long time before there was a next one. So I always recommend people catch it whenever they can. And I hope the next time that they're performing anywhere, both of us can get to go together. I really hope so, too, because the last Shoe Suede Blue show I got to go to was really memorable, and I would love to be able to go again and see those guys again. So mm-hmm. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks for sharing, Melanie. Thanks. And we would like to thank our good friend Sherry Hansen for capturing some of that audio for us. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Zilch, and we're going to now look at the next episode, which will be helmed by Jeff Hewlett. Jeff, you're going to captain the next episode, which will be Monkeys on 45 Part 2, and the Monkeys color cast commentary for the episode I've Got a Little Song Here. So we'll all look forward to that. Are you ready for that, Jeff? I absolutely am, Ken. All right, excellent. Well, Sarah, Melanie, Jeff, I hope you guys had a great time monkeying around today at the Zilch headquarters. We want to encourage everybody to check out the Bobby Hart CD released by 7A Records, order the Monkees, the complete series on Blu-ray, and just check out any of the links in our show notes. And we'd like to thank you for listening. Please rate us on iTunes and find us in the Twitterverse at ZilchCast or on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you. Well, thank you for listening, and we will see you on the next episode of Zilch. Bye. Bye. Mm. Well, that wraps up another Laugh Riot. And this is Mike Nesmith, Mickey Dolans, and Peter Tom, and Davy Jones, and Mickey Dolans, reminding you to save the Texas prairie chicken. Here we come, walking down the street. We get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. <laughs> Don't now. Now really, everybody cool it because I won't be able to get through this. Okay, so that's much better. I can live with that. Ten years from now, I won't have regrets. <clears throat> Ten All minutes right. from now, you might. Yeah. So. Let me start over again. I, I flubbed that one up. Hold on. All right. I'm just going to punt. Ready? Ken, may I pause you for just a moment? I wish someone would. <laughs> colors of what? So The colors of the wind. Yeah. Okay, I'm completely lost. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> I was I have I, another breaking news: the sun will rise in the east tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, read this bit because I I'm, I uh, messed up, and I even made notes and everything. Wait, I messed up and was already on the boss hit bound on. I don't like that sentence. I'm going to just punt it. That's my word for the day, punt. Yeah, I've noticed. The song here. This is this is really how I'm going to do it. Okay. This is Hi. called editing on the fly. Go for it. This Doesn't month it we celebrate fly? what? Doesn't it hurt the fly? Yeah. This month we celebrate the first monkey signal. This month we celebrate the first monkeys. Save the Texas prairie chicken. Yes. All right, let's punt. <laughs> All right. Beautiful. Okay. So we. So it was a shoe. Shoe suede. Oh no, I did that to you, didn't I? Yep. I'm sorry. Yes. It was a shoes. It was a shoes. It was a. It was a shoe suede blues. Shoe suede blues. Shoe suede blues. Such awesome outtakes this week. Yeah. Oh no, the okay. Wow. I think it's just Peter Torkan's shoe suede blues. It's kind of like Batman or the Batman. Well, now you're giving me palpitations here. So, Melanie, would you recommend that somebody go to a shoe suede blues song if they have the chance? You mean a shoe suede? <laughs> so, Melanie, would you recommend that folks go to a shoe? Sh- <laughs> Damn it! That's that's twice you've done that to us, Melanie. <laughs> you've ruined both of us. I liked it the way it was. <laughs> All right, I'm getting this off again. Uh, any anything? I, I don't want to sing today. I oh, never want to sing. See how you are. You're evil. Evil people. That's true. All right. It's always the quiet ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Usually we piece. go out loud and everything. You guys all went, bye. <laughs> it was funny. I thought I was pretty loud. Okay. Well, that's the Sarah trait. Your husband's in the other room going, boy, is she ever. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there we go. Ah. <sighs>